Good morning. All right, two of you are here. I'm happy about that. Uh, man, this is the day, this is the morning after replay. You guys are awesome. How many of y'all went to replay? <clears throat> Excellent. How many of y'all went to bed at nine o'clock at night so you wanted to be alert for this session? All right, good, liar. But okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, my name is Eric Johnson. Uh, I'm losing my voice. I apologize. So <clears throat> if I cough in your ear, I it's going to be there. I don't know how to stop it. So uh, I am a senior developer advocate for AWS. And uh, today we're going to be talking, as you saw there, I'm going to pop that back. We're going to be talking about building APIs from front to back. Uh, and I'll get a little more into that in a little bit. Uh, this is who I am again. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at edjgeek. I will warn you. I, do, I talk a lot about serverless, but I also talk a lot about my family, pizza, why pepperoni shouldn't be on pizza. Diet Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper, all kinds of things. So it's good with the bad. That's, that's the forewarning. Uh, I'm thrilled you're here. I know it is an early morning. Uh, it is also an early morning for me. Uh, and it's, I was like, wow, okay, this is really cool. I'm, I'm glad you guys are here. So um, I have been a serverless tooling automation geek since I can remember. I got into serverless when it started in 2014. Uh, and, and I absolutely adore it. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm a software architect. I've been a solutions or software architect since 1995. Uh, I actually started as a designer. I was a horrible designer. Horrible. If you, get, you give me a picture, I could recreate it. I knew the tools. If you gave me a white canvas and said, design something cool, it'd still be a white canvas. Two hours later, I'd probably be mad at you. So I, I switched over to architecture and design. I'm a music lover. I was a drummer. Started as a drummer. I was going to be a professional drummer. Turns out I'm a really, really good drummer for one finger, but I'm fairly average in real life and nobody was gonna pay me to do it professionally, so I had to do something else. Um, <clears throat> now there's a couple rules while I'm talking, it's gonna help a lot. Uh, rules is probably an overstatement, more like guidelines. Does anybody know the rules? Does anybody see me speak? Okay, a couple of you. All right, sorry for the repeat, but everybody needs to know, right? So here are the rules. First off, this is any number I want it to be. Okay, good, you're awake, I'm glad. So I'll hold this up and I may say seven, I may say 42, I may say 33, I may say one. But it's, this is any number I want it to be. I can get to four if I take my shoes off, but it gets real awkward for everybody, all righty? These are quotes, not apostrophes. I know that, I do this. It looks a lot better than this, okay? Like he's doing a bunny. I'm not doing a bunny. Unless I am. It's contextual. You have to figure it out. But it never fails. Someone else comes in and doesn't hear the rules, and I do this. You know, the other day I was working, and they're like, is he waving at us? I'm not waving at you, unless I am. So The last rule of these are thumbs. My actual college ID was, okay, it was kind of funny. So I do this a lot. I hold these thumbs up. I hope that helps out. I will make one-finger jokes. I'm completely comfortable with it. I was born this way. I did not wake up for the first time this way this morning. Uh, if I did, I would not be here with you. Okay, I'd be somewhere coping, right? Okay. Uh, also, again, I make one for your jokes. If that makes you uncomfortable, I am also comfortable with that. So either way, I'm good. All right, well, let's jump in here, kind of set some expectations, tell you what we're looking at here. <clears throat> All right, so. We're going to be talking about APIs on, on AWS and how do we build one. This is going to have some code in it. 
Uh, obviously, this is a 400 session, so we're going to get into some deeper things. I'm going to be coding. If you came here to see me build, like in Node or Python, like an Express API or something like that, that's not what we're going to be doing. What I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be doing the infrastructure. You can write the code to talk to an API. I'm going to be working and writing the infrastructure and how do you build an API from front to back. Now, I do have a client that, that I'll show you. I designed it. It's horrible, um, but it's there. You can look at it. Um, and so, so that's kind of, the, I want to level set those expectations. We're going to climb into, really it's going to be kind of, API Gateway is kind of the star of this show. We're going to climb into the deep uh, technologies and the security and the, and the caching and the throttling and all those kinds of things of API Gateway. And I hope you come out of here going, okay, I need to look at some of that stuff and now I kind of know how it works. All right. <clears throat> so like I said, uh, if you're not familiar with Amazon API Gateway, uh, it's a fully managed uh, API Gateway service. So uh, when you're using serverless, this is pretty much our go-to for APIs. Right. Sometimes uh, you might use something else like an ALB in front of it if you're using serverless. Uh, you might look at our new services we just released uh, is HTTP API. And here's the things to evaluate real quick. When, when you're thinking about this, uh, if you're using API Gateway, anybody using API Gateway right now? Okay, good. All right. If you're using API Gateway simply to proxy a Lambda, you might be paying too much. Okay, we'll edit that out of the video later, right? Okay, good. So uh, if you're simply just processing a Lambda, then you might be paying too much. One of the things about API Gateway is it has so many features and powers that you can use that make its value that we try to tell you, you know, it's, it's not just for passing information. It, you, know, you can do all kinds of things. If you are doing that and you don't need, if I show you a bunch of stuff today and you go, you know what, I don't need all that. Then look at HTTP API, the new service that we just released. It's going to run, it's going to do that simple proxying roughly 70% cheaper. Okay, so take a look at that. All right, so let's look at it. Ho hopefully, like I said, this is a 400 level, so you kind of have an understanding of API Gateway and what it is. We're not going to, we're going to climb into a lot of that. But just real quick, I'll give you an overall uh, structure. Sometimes when I show this slide, people go, whoa, I'm out of here. That's complex. The idea behind this is I want you to think about, when you think about API Gateway, you think about what talks to API Gateway, and what does API Gateway talk to, right? So there's two sides of API. There's the front end, and there's the back end. And the front end, we can have regional, we can have edge, uh, edge uh, optimized, or we can have private APIs. So, and those are kind of like they say, regional is just going to be like in the US West or something like that. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be in US West to get it. It just means that if you're across the world, you're going to have a little more latency. If you have an API that you're running that's, that's global, that you know your clientele is global, then you want to look at edge optimized, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Or a private one, which means you can only get to it through VPCs, all right? And then on the back side with API Gateway, you can hit AWS services, obviously, or it wouldn't make much sense to us, right? Uh, or you can hit uh, stuff in like private in VPC or, in VPC or to your on-premise stuff through a VPC link. And a lot of people don't realize this, any other HTTP endpoint on the web. Okay, so you're able to actually put this, and if you have an HTTP endpoint, you're, you're consuming a service that you have to deal with throttling and caching, and you can't, and you have to do it for multiple customers, and you, want, and you don't want to deal with it there, you can drop an API gateway in front of it and handle it all right there. So, very powerful. All right, there's six ways you can control API, or you, you can control, you can manage API gateway. Uh, there's the management console. Obviously, you can go right into the console, and you'll see a lot of that today. Some of the stuff I'm doing today, every, in fact, everything I'm doing today, you can do through either SAM uh, and OpenAPI combined. 
but I'm going to do a lot of it in the console because it makes a little more sense and you can see it and you can go, oh, okay, I get that switch, I get that trigger, okay. Uh, you can do it through the AWS CLI if you're writing your scripts uh, to script through the CLI. You can use AWS SAM. SAM you're going to see a lot today. I've built most of this in SAM, okay. So if you're not familiar with what SAM is, anybody using SAM now? Okay, a couple of you. How many are using CloudFormation now? Okay, so SAM is an abstract that sits on top of CloudFormation. It is a CloudFormation template, but we have specific serverless resources that are, that are in SAM. When you run it, when you uh, deploy a SAM template, it actually deploys to CloudFormation and it goes through what we call a transform, okay? And the cool thing about it is with SAM, I can build a, I can build a function. In fact, let me show you here real quick. I have it on screen, I can show you. I can do 20 lines of code and it'll build a function an IAM role, an API gateway, and a DynamoDB all there. So when I do this, I get this. All right, so that's, so if you haven't looked at SAM and you're building serverless, I heavily encourage you to do that. If you're building serverless and you're not using some kind of framework, I really encourage you to do that. Don't do it by hand, and CloudFormation for serverless is not the first go-to. I would look at SAM, one of our partners, serverless framework, uh, different things like that. So. A general idea, I'm going to go back for a real quick second. You'll notice here, I'm building the function, and then I'm, I'm adding, right in the function, I'm adding an IAM role. And this role is a, called DynamoDB Read Policy, and this is a private, uh, or I'm sorry, this is an AWS managed policy, and I can pass it a table name. So right off the bat, I have least privileges going on, okay? So the next thing is I'm building out, and I want you, this is what I want you to see is the event. So if you, if you know anything about serverless, anytime we do serverless, it has to have an event to trigger it. That's, I mean, if you want to define some serverless really simply, it's like something happens, the Lambda goes, okay, something happened, and then it does something. I mean, that's kind of serverless in, you know, serverless for dummies, I guess, uh, which is for me, right? Uh, so you have to understand that every time we, we have a Lambda, we have to have an event that triggers it, right? So here, I'm saying the type is API, and the path is products, and then we do a product ID as, as a path parameter, and the cool thing is, is Sam is smart enough to go, okay, you put API there, I'll build an API gateway for you, and we're done. Okay, so again, I do that, and I get this. <clears throat> All right, so let's look at what we're going to build today. We've got a lot to cover. I'm, I'm going pretty quick, so bear with me. Hang on. Um, we're going to do a little story today. I want you to meet some friends of mine. This is Angus and Ellie. That's exactly what they look like. Pretty proud of that. Um, they have four fingers. <laughs> Figured it would be a little weird to do one finger. We're like, how does this apply? So anyway, they're a newly married couple, right? Now, they're named Angus and Ellie because I tried to name our kids Angus and Ellie, and my wife said, uh-uh, not happening. So I named my characters in my story Angus and Ellie. I have five kids. I got to name the first three, or uh, partially. Um, uh, no, I didn't. My, I was overridden. Um, and, and then I didn't get to name the last two either. So I named the characters in my story. All right, so back to our story here. So meet Angus and Ellie. They're newly married. They want to keep track of each other. They're budding developers, right? Hey, we're developers. We want to learn how to do this. We want to build it ourselves, uh, and we want it to be secure. Obviously, you know, we don't, we don't want everybody to know what we're doing, and we want to use serverless because serverless rocks, right? Okay, so here's what we're designing. Yes, I designed that. No, I'm not a bit available for hire. Okay, you're like, we have to get him. All righty. 
so the, basically it's very simple. They, they enter their device. It may say like hey, Angus's phone, where they are, fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> that would be me. Uh, and then it does a, it does a message. Uh, I'm sorry, then it does a timestamp and an ID and all the stuff on the backside. Okay. So phase one, we're going to break this down in phases. Okay. Phase one, we're going to build a basic family website. All right. So what does that look like on AWS serverless? These are the services that I would generally use. Any front-end developers in here? All right, back-end developers, full-stack developers. All right, we're really all of everything nowadays, right? So here's a couple things. Here's how I break this down, okay? For our, kind of our back-end, we're gonna use API Gateway, obviously, that's our API. We're gonna use Lambda for our compute, and we're gonna use DynamoDB for our storage. For our hosting of our client, I'm using Amplify Console. If you've not looked at Amplify Console, I really encourage you to, okay? So all I have to do, it's powered by Amazon CloudFront, Amazon S3, and it uses Lambda at Edge. And all I have to do is I open up Amplify Console, I create a new application, I point it to the repository, be it GitHub or CodeCommit, that my client is sitting in, and I have a CICD process. Okay, it's, gonna, it's pretty good. It knows if it's Angular or React or Vue.js or whatever, or, or I can customize the build steps, and then every time I commit to that, it's gonna build out on the website client. I can use custom domain, I can use rewrites, there's some testing procedures in there, very powerful. You don't have to use, and, and this gets a little confusing, you don't have to use the Amplify CLI or the Amplify framework to use Amplify Console. So if you're just a simple, that came out wrong. If you're just building a simple website, I almost say if you're just a simple developer, there's no such thing as that, right? If you're just building a simple website, you can use this, it's very powerful. All right, so <clears throat> let's look and see what we're doing. Switch this over here. All right, that's a good sign. Everybody read that? Can anybody not read that? All right, good. My old eyes would, would have a hard time. So. What you're looking at here is the SAM template for the very first phase that we're gonna build. Okay, now I've already deployed this template, okay, because this is pretty simple. So I'm just gonna kind of walk you through it real quick so you know what we're looking at. Um, all right, so first thing I've got is I'm passing in, I've got a globals, I'm passing in some function settings. This whole thing is Node.js 12. I am a Node developer. Um, some would argue that, but I think I am. And then uh, I'm passing my handler, and then I'm setting my cores right here, okay? How many of y'all love cores? All right, excellent. I'm telling you, and I said this in a session the other day, if cores had a face, I'd punch it in the nose, All right? If you're not familiar with cores, cores is cross-origin resource scripting or something like that. I'm not sure if that's exactly it, but I'm pretty sure that's what it means. So basically, it's a browser security that you have to pass some information from one, a browser on one domain to talk to a different domain. And API Gateway can handle that for you. We won't climb into that too much right now, but just kind of get an idea there. Now, I'm also declaring my API. Now remember on my previous example, I actually declared the API in the function. But because we're gonna add some more settings and I wanna get real granular with my API, I'm gonna declare it independently. And that works just the same. And you'll notice in my function here, I'm using the same syntax. The only thing I'm adding is I'm saying, hey, tie this to the existing API that I just built. I'm sorry, the API that's in this template that's separate, okay? And finally, this is my DynamoDB table. Look at all that code I had to do. I was up all night coding that. 
to build that DynamoDB table, okay? Very simple, that's called a simple table. And all it does is it brings up a DynamoDB table with an ID as a hash or a key, if you're not familiar with that, uh, and it's dynamic capacity. All right, so I've built that out. Let me show you what that looks like on API Gateway. Okay, so this is the console and API Gateway, and it's real simple. I've got my get, I've got my options. That's what that cores did, is it, build out, it built out my options. This, you, hopefully, if you work with APIs, you understand what a pre-flight check is and options, things like that, and you hate cores as passionately as I do. All right, uh, and then I've got my post. Now, notice there's this big glaring thing. It says authorization none, okay? So what that means is any old person could pop up their postman and they can hit send on this and they can get the data that's in there, okay? So this, so I'm using postman, let's post something else. So in, in this, I'm just gonna pass a, a raw JSON string and Ellie is at home, she's ordering pizza. And looky there, we have built, in, with that SAM template that I showed you, we have built an API. You may go. No, I'm just kidding. That obviously isn't enough, right? We gotta do some more work on this. But you kinda get the idea here that very quickly with SAM, uh, and, and infrastructure, more importantly, infrastructure is code. If you go anywhere else, any other cloud, any other privilege, stuff like that, use infrastructure as code, okay? That's, that's, it's, it's a way to, be, to build out, to version, and all that kind of stuff, so. All right, let's go back here. All right. Quick review, obviously that wasn't a lot of code. If you're like, man, is that all he's gonna show? No, we're gonna get heavy into it, okay? But just kind of do this. So we built this, all right? So we've got our client, we've got our API gateway. That's not the real domain, I'm just using whatever one it's pumping out. I got a get function, I got a post function, I got a, I got a records table, and we're good. Okay, I told you I'd show you, this is what, uh, that, uh, this is what uh, Amplify Console looks like. Very cool, all right? I can attach to multiple stages for testing, things like that, so this isn't an Amplify console session, but I would tell you to check it out if you can. All right, so we have phase two. Now this is where we're gonna get into the meat of things, okay? We built an API front, we've, we've started it, okay? But like I showed you, anybody, if you were to jump on your phone and I were to give you that API, you could start pumping data in there. I'm not gonna do that because I don't need weird stuff coming up here, you guys give me heckling me digitally, you know? So, so now we need to look at securing and optimizing the family website. Now, a couple of things. This is an exhaustive list. It's actually pretty close. I mean, we're, we're covering a lot of things, but there's a lot of ways to do security and there's a lot of ways to lock down. But I'm gonna show you some of the, some of the primary ways. We're gonna look at, at, at authorization and authentication with Cognito. We're gonna do throttling, resource policies, AWS WAF, Web Application Firewall, and we're gonna do data modeling, okay? We're not covering cache and CloudFront. That doesn't mean because I don't think you should use them, I absolutely think you should use them. But because we're live coding and it takes a CloudFront distribution roughly 20 minutes to update, it would slow us down a bit. This would need to be a five hour session, okay? Which I, I, I like me, but I wouldn't even sit with me for five hours, okay? So, so we're not gonna do those, but they're pretty easy to set up or you can add them or if you do cloud, uh, like Edge Optimize, it's gonna do it automatically, right? All right, so. Let's first of all, I'm gonna walk through the steps and then I'm gonna take you and we're gonna deploy it and you're gonna see it. So, first thing we're gonna do is authentication and authorization. Anybody build their own authentication system? Was that fun? Yeah, no, that's probably not fun. I mean, sometimes it has to happen, right? One of the things you can do, we have a service called Cognito and it does a lot of different things. But one of the primary things it does is it creates user pools. 
you can have a user pool where I can have users go in and they create their username, password, it's a login, different things like that. You can do federated IDs through like Facebook or something in Amazon. Um, and the cool thing here is then it makes it very simple. And Cognito will actually host your login pages if you want it to. You can do it through an API so they never leave your site, or you can do the click to log in, and it pops it over to their page, you log in, and, and here's the process. You click to log in, it pops over to their page, it, you do the authentication there, and then it takes you back to your original site and it passes a token. And then your site takes that token, verifies it against Cognito, and gets credentials back, or well, JWT back. Okay, then every time you call the API, you pass that token. And, and the cool thing is with the Cognito authorizer, which you'll see in a minute, they, that has all the keys it needs to verify your existence or your validity maybe is a better way, security, all right? You exist, all right? So very quick authentication process. So it's, it, and you'll, you'll actually see that in my demo because I'll show that in a minute. So, all right, so the second thing we're gonna do is throttling. Does anybody work with throttling? All right. I encourage you to evaluate your throttling story. All right, I'm gonna tell you why. First of all, I'm gonna explain throttling real quick. You may not, I mean, you probably know, I mean, it's pretty apparent. Throttling, less. Keep it from getting overwhelmed, right? I'm gonna explain how it works on API Gateway. On API Gateway, throttling is handling at four stages. Okay, the first one is the account level. So we're gonna kind of go from, from four, three, two, one, all right? So what it does is at the account level, you have 10,000 RPS, requests per second, out of 5,000 bursts. That is an account standard, and it's shared across all your APIs in, the, in that region. Okay, it's an account level, but it's in a region. So you get 10,000 RPS per region, okay? So if I have 17 APIs in there, they're sharing 10,000. So here's a tip. If you don't need your APIs in the same, same account, spread them out in accounts. Doesn't cost you anymore and you get more RPS. Okay, all right, so work the system. All right, we'll edit that out later that I said work the system. All right, um, so that's what happens. Now here's a fun thing, let me explain the burst, okay? So what the burst means, I have 10,000 but I've got a 5,000 burst. That means in the first millisecond, that exact millisecond, if I were to get 5,000 hits, I can handle that, that's the burst. API gateway is gonna go, no problem. If in that first millisecond I get 5,001, somebody's gonna go, whoa, what happened? It's gonna kick that one out, right? However, if they were to call the next millisecond and on through the rest of the second, we can handle another 5,000. Does that make sense? So a whole, a whole second you get 10,000, but at one millisecond the best you can do is 5,000. Right? That's still pretty good. That's a lot of data. Now, the fun part of that is, the good news is that's a soft limit. Okay, you can go to AWS limits, you can have that raised. Excuse me one second. All right, so the second way we do this, we, we do throttling is at a method, okay? So in here, you can go in and you can say, we're gonna set, uh, we're gonna set if, if I'm at the method of cars, so hit my API forward slash cars, forward slash whatever. At that method, or I could say forward slash star, all my methods, I wanna break that down, at, and this is at the API level, to maybe 2,000 with a 1,000 burst, okay? Because I don't want this API to kill my other APIs in that account. Or I wanna be able to manage some of that, okay? The third way we do it is now through what we call a usage plan or client level. 
So if you, let's say you have a bunch of services that are hitting yours and they're really chatty, they're just pounding away, okay? They post a lot, they get a lot, and, and you don't want it to keep your users, your, your humans, from being able to, to get to the API. So you can set them up with an API key that ties it to a usage plan. And you can say, you use this, and you can throttle based on just that usage plan, so per client. You can also get more granular in the fourth one, and you can say per client, per method. Okay, so you can see how it's getting more granular as you go. Right? So I could say, a great example is like, I've got a system that I need it to be able to read constantly from me, but I don't want it to post a bunch because my downstream can't handle it. I'm not running serverless, so to speak. I'm running maybe EC2 instances or legacy system that can't handle that downstream. Uh, I could actually say, all right, at Git, you can have, so if you're in the data plan, you, on all your Gits, you can do 3,000 per second. But I want your posts to be at 1,000 per second. Now, that may not be the best way to protect your downstream. Probably would be better to tie that into a queue so you, they, they don't actually get rejected. You just make it asynchronous. But if you had to do that, you could do that. Okay? Now, the thing about this is while I explained it 4321, API Gateway is going to evaluate it 1, 2, 3, 4. So it's going to look at the per client per method first, then it's going to go to the client, then it's going to look at your method, and it's going to look at your amount or your account or your region. Fun fact is, at the method level or something like that, you can set a 15,000 or a 20,000 or a 92 bazillion thousand, but you're only going to get 10,000. Okay, you can't override the account. So, so as you're going into the account level, you can't override that. However, you can raise it through the limits again. So, so we're going to add throttling today, see how that works. Uh, I encourage you, if you're like, you know, Eric, we don't get a lot of traffic, I still encourage you to understand your throttling story because as you start getting more traffic, because that's our goal is to get more traffic, right? We build applications like, look, we never want to get more than 5,000. We're happy with that. Good is the enemy of great. You know what I mean? And so, but you're like, hey, as we plan ahead, this doesn't cost you anything. This, is, this just costs you the time to plan it and good management, okay? So forethought. So think about your throttling story. And the next thing we're going to look at is resource policies. Now, resource policies are great for limiting access to your API, okay? So, so I could say just this IP address can get here, or everybody but this IP address can get here. So blacklisting, whitelisting, just this VPC, just this account, just this organization, okay? So you can set your principle, uh, multiple principles on who can reach this, and you can set your target on, on what they can get to. So it's a really handy way, especially if you, got, you have cross-count, <laughs> it's 8.30 Monday or Friday morning, cross-account traffic, right? You can control that. And this is part of API Gateway. Okay? You're not having to add a WAF. We are going to talk about WAF, but WAF is an extra service. This is done right at the API gateway level. The plus and con of that is, or the pro and con is, it's part of the API. If you change it, you have to deploy your API. Not a huge deal. It takes API gateway roughly seven seconds to deploy. But if you're in a panic mode, and you know you have a lot of managing of blacklisting and whitelisting, you need to do things like that, you can also look at a WAF, okay? A WAF is gonna give you a lot of power, okay? You can do SQL injection testing, you can do, uh, you know, again, back to the blacklisting, whitelisting, and if my WAF is, is it's basically bolted on right to the uh, API gateway, that's a technical term, we bolt it on, 
We have a guy who comes out, boop, 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 right? So it's right in front of it, okay? And, the, and actually, every time an API gets a request, it's gonna forward it out to the, to the WAF, verify the rules, and then, and then act accordingly. And if, it's, uh, if it fails the rules, it gets booted, never gets past API Gateway. If it, if it passes the rules, then it gets in. Thing about this is, if you go, if you take, let's say I build the API Gateway, I deploy it with a WAF attached to it, then if I go in and make a change, change in a WAF, I don't have to deploy. Instantaneous. I just have to save the change. Okay. It's very quick. Also gives you more ability to break things. Okay. Do it on a Friday night. All right. So that's a WAF, and you'll see examples of this. The last thing we're going to do in this particular phase is data modeling. Okay. Now, here's an interesting thing. A lot of people don't think data modeling at the API, at the API level. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to, but it's a possibility. And I want you to think about why. How would that help us? Now, first of all. This is how it works, okay? So when we think about, uh, I set up an object. So here's my schema that I'm gonna do. And I'm using, I'm just validating strings, but you can do regex in this. You can, you can say, hey, it has to be a URL. It has to be a whatever. Here's the, here's the honest truth. I am pathetic at regex. I'm not gonna lie to you. And so if I put regex up there, you'd all be snickering at me right now. So I just did string. Uh, but you can, you can do regex, and, and I have. Um, in, I was in Copenhagen three weeks ago. And I demoed something where I built a full URL shortener using just API Gateway and DynamoDB. No lambdas, no caching, anything. And it was really cool. I did it all API Gateway. I did a lot, all my validation here, things like that. Because, you know, the world needs another URL shortener. So, but I will tell you, it is wicked fast. Very fast, very effective. All right? So... How this works is, is, and you see the different patterns we've got here and which ones will match. Our first one matches because it has all three and they're all strings. Our second one matches because we really only require device type and location. I don't have to have, I'm sorry, our second one does not match. How's it going? Our second one does not match because it does not have the required location. Okay, third, same, so on. You can see the patterns here. So here's why this really can matter to you. Let's say if you look at, 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 at Lambda pricing, Okay, Lambda pricing is a million invokes per month for free, and then 400, or, or the Lambda free tier, 400,000 gig, 400, gigabytes of memory per, for free. You get a lot for free with Lambda. But let's say you get 10 million hits per month, okay? Pay for that. It's not huge, but it's out there. Let's say 1 million of that, or 2 million of that, is bad data. Let's say you're using some, some clients that may or may not have the right stuff. So... Think about this, if I'm validating at the API level, which they have to hit the API anyway, an API kicks it out if it's bad data, if it doesn't match the required payload, then I'm never invoking that Lambda. I'm saving roughly 20 or 10 to 20% on my Lambda cost simply by validating. Now that's probably kind of an extreme story. Hopefully not, you know, 20% of your clients aren't, don't have the wrong package. You might want to evaluate your clients. But you get the idea of saving that, and it can be managed in infrastructure's code as templates. All right, so let's look at some code. Let's do this. So this time we're actually going to deploy. Okay, so first of all, we're going to go over to our template. I'm using Cloud9, by the way, if you're wondering what IDE I'm using. Uh, I love Cloud9, it's easy, I can bring it up on any machine. My machine was actually giving me grief this morning. I was gonna have to borrow one of yours, but I did get it up and running, so. Uh, all right, so first of all, we're gonna do a deploy. Okay, so let's go, 
I've got this in, check out, phase two, okay? And that's not gonna work because I'm not in the folder. So let's go CD, Angus, Ellie, back in. Let's do that again. All right, so change to phase two. I don't know why I spelled out phase two. I could have done P2. This gives me all the opportunity to fat finger right in front of you. I have two fingers. I'm the worst fat finger on the face of the planet, okay? All right, so I have a long deploy process. You ready? There we go, I'm done, okay? Now, this is not a CICD. I'm deploying right from my account. And I know I'm not done. There's still some work going on. But we've just updated the same CLI that you can do deploys. Very simple. What it's going to do is it's going out. It's actually gives it here. It created a change set for me. And now it's actually deploying the change set and giving me status. While that's going, I'm going to show you the template, show you what I did. I'll pop back to that screen for those of you who want to take a picture of it. Okay, so the first thing we're doing right here, line 31, is I'm adding that, well, it starts at 28, I'm adding the throttling. Okay, I'm setting a method level in the method settings, and I'm saying for every method and every resource path. Now, remember, I can, I can get you some pattern matching on this, but I'm saying for all of them, I want to add a throttling rate limit of 2,000 with a throttling burst limit of 1,000. Okay, so that's how I add throttling. Not terribly hard, is it? Right, right there in the infrastructure's code, I just pop it in, okay? The second thing I'm gonna do is I'm adding my authorizer, okay? So I'm saying in auth, I'm gonna use an authorizer. Then I'm gonna, this is my logical name, that's just what I call it so it knows what it means. And then because I pass it a user pool ARN, it knows I'm building Cognito and I'm using a Cognito authorizer. Now, where did that come from? I actually have another template here this template's the magic template. This guy builds out a full Cognito authentication system, including the hosting, the custom domains, all that kind of stuff. I've had a ton of people ask me for this. I'll give you tea for 10 bucks. That's not true. Here's what's gonna happen. If you follow me on Twitter later, later this, this sometime in December, I'm gonna open source all this. And, and we do that for free, obviously. I'm gonna put it out where you can get at it. You can run this and it actually exports let me show you real quick here. Down at the bottom, it exports the user pool ID that I need, okay? So over here in this one, I actually grab that value, okay? So that's, I'm using import exports past that. Okay, so the next thing I'm doing is I'm adding my resource policy, okay? And I'm using the IP range blacklist. So I'm saying if you happen to be, and I'm picking this IP just out of, out of the air, which would be hysterical if it's my IP and then nothing works and I can't explain it to you. Which I'm always paired because I would be the guy to pick that IP. Unless there were money on it, then I couldn't come close to it. So uh, I don't gamble here for my, my wife has forbidden it. So um, anyway, so this sets up a blacklist that says if you're on this IP, it gets blocked out. I can do a whitelist. I, I can do a range of, of IPs, but I, I feel like that's really test, that's, that's risking it, you know. All right. And then the last thing I'm adding is a model, okay? So the model here, like I showed here, the required amount, the different properties and what they should be. Uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't the last thing. This is how I'm declaring the WAF, okay? So how this works, start at the bottom first. This is the geo list. This is a specific type of rule uh, base or, or, or geo match set. Then I'm building the rule that implements that geo match set. And finally, I'm building the web ACL that ties in that rule. And the way that works is, is you can put multiple rules to this web ACL, okay? So you can add those and remove those. So the last thing I wanna show you is right down here, 
on my git function, I did actually add the authorizer, okay? Now that means that now that I've built that authorizer out, now I want you to use that authorizer to validate the users coming in, all right? You can add an authorizer and not do anything with it, okay? And the reason for that is because we want to say, hey, I'm going to use it on this function and this function, but this function I want them to be able to come through, or I might use a different authorizer on another function, right? So you can do different things. Okay, so let's look and see if my build worked. It did. So if you want to, I know some people are trying to take a picture of that. That's the actual status where it's coming through, and it's done two things. It's gone through all the statuses, and then it's output any values that I wanted to know. Okay, one of them was the, uh, I get the API out of this one. All right, so let's go look and see what that did. Now, notice it doesn't look different. Here's where you want to do a refresh, okay? I learned that the hard way. It doesn't always, it doesn't always check to see if there's changes in the background. You don't do a refresh. First thing I'll, I'll pull to your attention here is now my authorization set doesn't say none. That's a good thing, right? Now it says, hey, you're using a Cognito user pools authorizer. So let's see what that does to our client. So I'm going to go over to Postman. I'm going to hit send, and I'm now locked out, right? I have no, I have no uh, way to get to that because I'm not logged in. So let's go to my client. Again, I'm not out for hire, but this is a sweet design. All right, now watch what happens. When I hit login, it's taking me to a different domain. Now all these domains are really ugly. You can do custom domains on API Gateway. I just didn't for this, all right? So now I go over here. Here's my login screen. You can customize this as well. I'm going to sign in. And it takes me back to my site. I'm logged in. Oh, hey. That's an unhappy error that we've got going on. Let me refresh that. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's just now it's going to stay logged out. Uh, latency on our website or latency in our internet here is a little painful, so bear with me. Let's log in one more time. Whew. There it is. All right, we'll let that update this time. Okay. So what that little delay you're seeing is my site's actually verifying that token, and our internet is pretty slow here right now. So bear with me. Okay, so now you see I've got data coming down. Woo, it's working. All right, okay. Now here's a cool thing. We're going to open my console here, review page source. And I'll, oh, that's not what I wanted. I'll blow this up a little. Can you, yeah, you all can see that all right. Okay, so I'm going to do an inspect here. Now this part... I do not believe I can blow up. I'm going to try. Oh, I totally lied to you once again. All right. So in our network here, I'm going to do, and we may have to keep it small to see it. You can see data flowing. Yeah, that's going to be too big for you to see it. One second here. There we go. You can see it down there. You don't need to be able to read everything, but you can see the data coming in, okay? So now I can go over. One of the things I can do is I, under the application, I can grab the token that I need because we're going to want uh, Postman to work for us. Now, this isn't a Postman class, but just so you know, you can do this. You can actually use this token. That doesn't look long enough. Let me check that. No, that's not long enough. Okay, I didn't get it all. All righty. That looks long enough. All right, let's update that bad boy. All right, so now if I go here, I'm now authorized on here. So I can use my credentials to, to test, okay? And this is easier sometimes than going to your client. All right, so now we've got this working. So let's see what our changes did past that. So the first thing I'm going to show you is, check our time here, 
is our, um, the throttling. So let's go back to API Gateway. Now, throttling is done, the one I did is done at a stage level. So if you look at the staging, I have two stages. Now, I'm doing all my work in production, okay? That's because I never make mistakes. I don't suggest you do this, all right? Or, you know, nobody cares, you know, if this goes down. But yes, I'm, I'm, I'm just pushing to production. So I could test this, but notice this is set to 10,000, 5,000, because that's the default. They're all gonna come in that way, right? However, if I go to my prod, it's 2,000, 1,000, okay? Now here's a fun thing. Let's go to one, one. I'm gonna save the change. And here's the thing, since I'm changing the API gateway, I need to deploy the changes. Okay, and you're gonna see me make a change and not deploy the changes, and it's your job as a concerned audience to yell, deploy the changes, idiot. Okay, you don't have to do the idiot part, but sometimes I'll be like, why doesn't that work? So there you go, so you have to deploy the changes. So now that I've got that out there, let's look at our network here, and I'm gonna click on this as fast as I can, okay? You see how I'm getting, let me scroll down, see those 429s? That means that I'm, I did over one per second that I set it at it, so the API Gateway said, nope, you're out. So that's just proof the throttling works, all right? So let's go back to that real quick. I'm gonna set that back because that'll cause us a lot of problems later. And I'm gonna save it. Before I deploy it, I'm gonna show you one other part and we'll, we'll deploy it all together. I'm gonna show you the resource policy. Now, this is what was created. Now notice, we just did a couple of lines. We just said IP blacklist, that's it. Sam was smart enough, or, or, cloud, or CloudFormation, or the, you know, the little gerbils inside. Someone said, all right, you got it for these resources based on the pattern and everything, I'm gonna lock it down. And how this works is it says, because it's a blacklist, it says everybody is explicitly allowed, and then I'm gonna deny with the condition of this IP address that is 2454 whatever. Okay, so that's how it works. But what if I go in here, so, so, so right now my site's working, doesn't affect anything. But what if I go in here and deny everything and say allow just this IP? Okay, so let's deploy those changes. Be on the resources to do it. All right, and I'm deploying, again, I always deploy to prod and I do it on Fridays. Okay, we go to client here, and let's refresh this. Okay, now, it's gonna take a second. I'm getting some 200s. There we go. Now I'm locked out completely, and now I'm not getting a 429, I'm getting a 403. You don't have access to this, you're blocked out, okay? So, that's easy to do. So that's a real quick way, and it's embedded. It's embedded in, <laughs> thank you. Um, it's embedded in your API gateway, or, and it deploys as part of your stages, right? And it's at a stage level, so you might have different things for different areas. All right, show you a couple more things. Let's go to, let's set, first of all, let's set our resource policy back, okay? Because I didn't, I did not guess the IP right. Shocking, okay? All right, so we're gonna set that, we're gonna save that. The other thing we're gonna do is we're going to attach the, the WAF that I created. And he's appears, so I called the Family Protector WAF, and we're going to, and you could actually go right here and create it if you wanted to. So I'm gonna save that, and I'm going to deploy. Okay, now right now, 
I have it set so that you have to, if you saw that, and let me pop in real quick so you can see it. I'm using the classic WAP right now. So now notice, oh, there's, there's nothing there. I'm using a regional API, so I need to switch to the regional area and I'll see my WAF. So there's the family protector WAF, okay? Here's the rules that it's using, okay? The family geo blocker, and now uh, it's, it's in the geo list. So here's the thing here. This filter, you can see how it's working. It's saying you have to be in the United States to get to my website. So let's go to my website, refresh this a couple times. We're getting data all is well, okay? So let's say I wanna go into the WAF and I say, you know what, let's add another filter, another country, because this is a geo blocker, and we're gonna say, great, uh, let me go GB. There we go, United Kingdom, there we go. I'm gonna add that, okay? Now, immediately, I go over here, it's an and, so we're good. However, if I go in here and I say, now we're gonna delete this filter. Now watch how fast this takes effect. I'm gonna get a couple clicks in, it's gonna work fine. And now I'm out, okay? A little faster, now you see I, I have a couple of 200s because it has to propagate everywhere, but now I'm completely tied down. Okay, 403. So you may say to yourself, when do I use a resource policy? When do I use a WAF? Start with the resource policy, okay? Unless you need a little bit quicker changes. Deployments are pretty quick, but I'm using a pretty small API here, right? So if you have bigger stuff that you need to do, look at resources policy first because it's built in as part of API Gateway, right? If it's not handling it, if you need more complex ruling, if you need more complex filtering, then look at a WAF, okay? All right, so let me take that off. And we're gonna do a couple more things here. Let's add the filter back in, country. Actually, you know what I'm gonna do? Is I'm just gonna remove the WAF for now. So I'm gonna go in here, I'm gonna set this to none. Okay, my WAF is still out there because maybe I'm using it on, on another one. I'm gonna deploy this to prod. And our site should start working again. Here we are, yes. Okay, beautiful, all right. So, last thing I want to show you is the filtering, okay, on how that works. So remember, I said we've got a, a model called a device data, and there it is. That came in from what I built in the structure. If I go over to my resources, I haven't applied it as a filter yet, so I'm going to apply it to one of my resources. So I'm going to go in, and I'm going to say in my post, because I don't care about my gets, because the data's already there, but on my post, I want to apply, and this is in the method request, I'm going to say, first of all, I'll show you, the body's already existing, it's tied to the content type application JSON, and I'm going to say validate the body. Check that, okay, there we go. Yeah, I hit it twice, so everything's okay there. All right, so let's go ahead and deploy this. Goodness gracious. All right, so now this is deployed. So let's go back to, let's go back to uh, Postman. I've got another one here where I'm gonna use the body. Notice my body is the house and the device type is one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm gonna hit send. And hopefully our latency will, there we go. And this worked, this is fine, okay? Because it passes our validation. But what if I go in and I say device type string? Now watch how fast this responds. 
Okay, I get an invalid request body. This never made it past API gateway, right? I didn't have to do any business logic at my, uh, at my function, all right? So again, this is a great way to do some validation. It, it has, I'm not gonna lie to you, sometimes it's a little odd, you know, okay, that's in our API gateway, we're managing that in templates, but it's a good way to look at it. All right. So we have built out phase two. Let's jump back over. Now we're gonna get kind of fun, or I think it's fun, but that's why my wife calls me a geek. So here's what we did. That may be kind of hard to read, but you saw it in my screen, but you're welcome to snap a picture of that. Um, here's, what, here's how it came out, all right? So we added a resource policy, we added a WAF, we added throttling, we added, we added validation, uh, we added authentication. Our site's pretty secure now, and it's fairly optimized because we've stopped, we've, we've stopped it from going to Lambda if it didn't have to, right? But as all projects do, we've got a change in requirements. The scope has creeped on us a little bit. Guess what happened? Meet Rufus and Beatrice, all right? Also names I didn't get to use, all right? New family members, we have the same goals for them. We wanna know where they are, okay? We need a simple device. They're not gonna be great at putting in. We just want it to be automated. So meet Scott, the ugly phone. I named him Scott because that's my brother's name and he'll see this video at some point. So that's just a poke at him. All right, so Scott is a simple phone location service, but Scott's a little chatty, okay? His job is to say, here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am. We don't want to pound our API gateway. We don't want a billion invokes. So what are we gonna do? we're gonna add a usage plan, okay? We're gonna limit how much Scott talks to us. If this worked in real life, that would be awesome, okay? I love my brother, I have to say that. All right, so the API key allows devices to connect to API uh, and data plan uh, throttles connections, right? So now you can do that. The second problem with this is the simple phone cannot modify the outgoing payload. It has one payload. It doesn't match what we have, the one we're using. So if we have our data validation in place, it's going to get kicked out every time, right? So what we need to do is change it. So we're going to transform the data, okay? So currently we want device type, location, and message, uh, but what it sends is device ID and geocord. Okay, so we're gonna get, we're gonna need to transform this data, but we need to ask ourselves, where do we want that to happen? Well, we could do it here, but again, we have our data validation to worry about, right? Or we could do it here. So not only can you validate the schema, you can uh, modify the schema, all right? So let's look at how we do that, okay? What we do is we have our input here. We're gonna use what's called a mapping template. It uses VTL, Apache VTL, which is Velocity Templating Language. And it will change, what we know what we have on our input, we know what we have on our output, and this is a mapping template. This isn't the exact one we're gonna use. I actually modified it a little in the code and I'll explain it when we see it, okay? Then, what we have to do is we have to, sorry, I totally went blank there for a minute. What we have to do is we have to decide, okay, we know how to use mapping templates. Is there more we can do with mapping templates? So this is where it gets kind of fun, and this harkens back to what I was talking about what I built in Copenhagen, is do we really need this? Now think about what this is doing. 
His job is he's taking the request from the client, from the API gateway, and he's making the request. He's calling, he's doing an SDK call or an API call against DynamoDB to get the data, and then he's returning it. He's not doing anything magical. He's just transporting the data. Okay? And my boss, actually my boss's boss, a guy named Ajay Nair, a real smart guy, he made this statement. He says, use Lambda functions to transform, not transport. Okay? Why pay for the invoke if you don't need it? So, we're going to get rid of that Lambda, and we're going to just talk to DynamoDB directly. And I'm actually going to book it. It kind of looks like this. As we come through, we get the get, we get the post, and we use this. And then uh, coming back, we're also going to transform our data uh, where, we, where it comes out to where the client can read it. All right? So let's do this. And I am going to go pretty quick, and I apologize. Time-wise, I, I probably ran a little long here. So, All right, so first thing we're going to do is we're going to change phases. So git checkout. Again, don't know why I named, typed this all the way out, but there we go. Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, what if I get it wrong and you see it? All right, we'll switch the screen. Okay, all right, there we go. So I did that. Now I'm going to do SAM deploy, just like I said. Okay, while that's going... I'm going to show you the template. Here's the changes I made in the template. Okay, first of all, I added a new endpoint, an entirely new function. However, I'm pointing it to the same code base. All right? So I'm, I'm creating a new function. It's pointed to the same code base. And the only reason I'm doing that is because I want to create a new path called IoT. That's where I want my, my Scott the silly phone to talk to. Okay? That's the first thing I did. Got the authorization, and in my authorization, I'm, I'm requiring an API key, okay? Next thing I'm doing is I've added my usage plan. So the way I do this is I declare an API key, I declare a usage plan, then I tie them together with the usage plan key. Finally, the last thing I'm doing is adding a role. Now, remember, when we originally created this, we said that DynamoDB is calling Lambda, Lambda's calling, I'm sorry, API Gateway is calling Lambda, Lambda's calling DynamoDB. API Gateway has the rights to invoke Lambda. Lambda has the rights to invoke DynamoDB. API Gateway does not have the rights to invoke your, your DynamoDB until I give it the rights. And I, here is where I give it. All right? So let's see if this deployed. It did. And now we're going to get busy. So let me do a refresh on this to make sure I've got everything here. All right. So the first thing we're going to do is now you see we have a new API. And this is the post. And I'm going to go to the integration request. Right now, it's a proxy. It's just all, all API Gateway is doing is passing the information back and forth. I'm going to turn that off. And it's saying, OK, well, you can do that. And now I have some more options. The options I care about right now are the mapping templates. And I'm going to add a mapping template. Okay. Now, lucky for you and me and the world, I have copied these mapping, or I have these mapping templates available to me because you wouldn't want to see me type all this out. Okay, so this is what the mapping template looks like. And I'll show it to you in, in the screen here, so bear with me. Okay, so if I go down here, let me blow this up so you can see it. Hopefully this is big enough. All this is is this is a body. Let's see if I can blow that up a little more. Okay, Lambda expects a stringified body. That's what Lambda expects. So that's what I'm creating. But you can see in here, I'm setting device type to the device ID that's coming in and location to the geocore that's coming in. I'm using the path uh, 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 indicators to grab that data. So we're going to save that. 
Okay, so let's test this real quick. So all I gotta do, I've got some test data that we'll do here. Okay, so this is an example of how the device will get passed in. So let's go down to the body, paste that, we'll test it, and I get an error, but that's okay, I was expecting that. Because the API gateway is not a prox anymore, we gotta tell it the kind of response it's gonna have. And we got a 200 for DynamoDB, it did its job. So we can go back to the method response and we add a 200. We tell it, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We also need to say what kind of headers are gonna get passed back. And in this one, the one we care about, and I'm gonna grab it because I always get it reversed in my head, okay? It's called the access, and this is core stuff, so it's okay if you loathe it. Control, allow, origin, okay? So we're gonna pass this back. And so, uh, oh, spell that right. API Gateway knows it. Now notice I'm not setting a value here. And the reason I'm not is because it's actually set in the integration, okay? So the, so the reason that is is because you may wanna set it from your code behind the, the scenes, from Lambda or something like that. Right now I'm setting it to star. That is not the most secure way of doing it, but we're gonna do that because we're not using real domains anyway. Now if I test, let's do a test here, and I got data back, okay? So I've now done, changed that data, how it should map, and now it's coming back to me. Now I don't care what this looks like because of these are dumb devices and I'm not sending anything back to them. So I'm gonna leave that alone, all right? So next thing we're gonna do, we said under our git is we're gonna get rid of the lambda here, okay? Now right now we said we're using a lambda function proxied. We're gonna change this. We're gonna say AWS service. When you do that, you have to set the region, which is US West 2 is what I'm working about. You tell it the, the service, and I wanna scroll down here for a minute because I want you to see the vast amount of services that you can integrate with directly, okay? A lot of them. So we're gonna go DynamoDB. Now, I'm gonna do a post. And you're like, whoa, 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 you're doing a get. Well, DynamoDB always expects a post, okay? That's just how it works because it's gonna do action on whatever you're doing. So I'm gonna do a post. Here's where I tell it. If you've worked with DynamoDB API, I'm gonna tell it we're gonna do a scan, okay? All we're doing is grabbing all the data. Now, remember I said we need permissions to do that, so I have this, I actually created the right role for that. I said we need, oops not resources, the outputs. Here's the role that I'm using to create, to, to allow API Gateway to talk directly to, get the right tab, DynamoDB. Okay, there's the role. I'm gonna save that, do okay. Now in this one, here's what the mapping template looks like. It, again, if you've ever used the SDK, this should look real familiar to you, because all you're really doing to do a scan is we have to say, and I'll explain that pop-up that just popped up in just a second. But to do a scan, all we have to do is say, this is the table name. So we pop over here, we'll do the table name, we'll save it. That window that popped up, all it was saying is, hey, when do you want me to pass data to the back end anyway? When no template matches the request content, when there are no templates defined, or never. If I don't have a template defined, I want it to pass to my back end and it can deal with the logic. Or I can just reject it if I want to. But that's the window that was popping up. All right, so let's go back here. Now we already, we already discussed the, that now we have to declare 
this, so I'm not gonna do that. So, and, and I'm gonna, I wanna add the header for the moment just for time, but we can go into test here. Now let's see what we get. This is a get hitting directly. We're getting data. You see how fast I got the data, right? So I talked directly to it. So the last thing we're doing, we got the data, but it's not data that we can really use. It's not what our client wants. So in our integration response, I'm gonna do a mapping template, application JSON, and the last mapping template I'm gonna use, you can tell I use Alt-Tab a lot, okay, is this. Now this guy here, I'll explain him when we get it in there. All right, let me blow that up a bit. His job is to set a variable, input root, and he's going to set it to the input path. That grabs all the variables, okay, or all the data. Then he's gonna loop through the items in the input root, and he's gonna say device type will match element device type dot string, or dot s, which that's how the DynamoDB data looks, okay? Then the last thing he does is says, if there's more, add a comma. If there's not, then get rid of it, okay? So he actually loops through all the data and he formats it how we want to. Let's bring that down size-wise a bit. Now let's test it and see if I know what I'm doing. I really hope I do. And I need to hit the right, hang on a sec, I didn't hit test, sorry. There we go, let's go down here, there it is. Okay guys, my, my scroller seems to be jumping on me here. There we go, test. Now we have data that matches what our client is looking for, okay? And that's it. We've just built an API front to back. Let me, let me flip this back over real quick here. We're running on time, but here's what we did. Okay, we took this. That's really small, hard to read, but I, like I said, if you follow me on Twitter, I'll be open sourcing this a little later this month, okay? We built this out and we got rid of the get function. You know, now we just talk directly to the records table. Some final thoughts real quick. Like I said, these are the things we covered. Uh, and, and, and you know, we covered a lot going on here. I really challenge you to start implementing these as much as you can. And we did most of it with SAM. We did it with the infrastructure's code. One of the fun things is if things get complicated and, and it's a little more than your understanding, build it in the console first and then in the stage you have the ability to export the SD or export the, the, the content as a Swagger or OpenAPI file. Okay, this is kind of the, if, you, if you're looking for more training, we have the AWS.training. And finally, thank you. I appreciate you guys, and I hope you have the, I mean, this is the last day, so enjoy the day, so thank you. If you can, hear your feedback, what can we do better, what did we do great? You guys, I hope you enjoyed reInvent. Have a good week.